Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. Hey, great to be back with you. Today, I would like to talk about something that I think is critical to learn, and that is how to negotiate. Most people don't realize that we do anywhere from three to seven negotiations per day, pretty much any time you're relating with another human being, be that in person or virtually, you're dealing with a negotiation. You have certain interests, so do they, and you want to have both parties' interests met in the most amicable and pleasing way possible. So I work with people in career design and performance management. So we're talking about CEOs that want to improve their leadership style, people that just got into the workforce like recent grads. I've worked with people that are in managerial positions in all different seniorities, industries, countries. And with over 5,000 hours of coaching people one-on-one in groups, speaking engagements, the works, I've got to tell you that for me, I think... People fall flat on negotiation skills because, first, well, they fall flat because they think it's related to selling and they think that that is slimy. And we all know the quintessential pushy salesman or the person that sort of incessantly only talks about their new business venture and it's not... It doesn't feel genuine. We don't really want to help the person. And we sort of feel like they're sleazy, right? Or scummy. And the reality is negotiating is a necessary part of life in order to get what we want. Because the flip side of that coin is the person who is a complete pushover, doesn't negotiate for anything, doesn't want to offend anyone or push anyone toward their outcome. But then they sit there resentful unwilling to help if somebody asks or they help and they're just miserable and again resentment piles up over the years whether it's with their boss their employer themselves it's not really a good cycle so whatever way you look at it you either need to to negotiate and advocate for yourself or risk becoming extremely resentful and pretty crabby so if we're talking about work I find that the number one thing people want to hear about is salary. Hey, how can I negotiate a bonus or an extra bump? And I think the more you look into this space, like if you look at free resources online and stuff, this answer comes up of, okay, well, provide more value to the company and then you'll get paid more. And I think that that's a decent answer, but it's not fleshed out enough in the sense that If you go to your boss one day, some random day, and you're like, hey, here's a list of all my accomplishments. Here's how they, in a quantifiable way, have impacted the company. And so, you know, I'm bringing you $200,000 a year in extra business. I want, you know, an extra $10,000 a year. But I think we need to switch that a little bit in value creation. And of course, this can be a sticky situation if you're in a corporation with set compensation terms or you're in a profession where... It's hourly, this might not apply exactly, but I think that we need to move toward value-based compensation in the sense that a lot of sales reps are paid this way. They might have a base salary, but you're paid a percentage of what you bring in. And I remember working with a gentleman who 
I was working for a company that had nothing to do with financial services, but they had an investment department. So any of their overflow cash, they would just invest. And this guy's job was essentially to make the money via investing their additional cash. And he was making them millions of dollars a year. And he goes, you know, I deserve a raise. And I thought to myself, yeah, you deserve a raise, but not in the conventional sense of what you're saying. You don't deserve an extra fixed $20,000 a year. But people think that way often because it's risk averse. So they don't want to take the risk. If it's performance-based, the answer is, well, what if I don't, right? Right away we think, well, what if I don't make anything? Then how am I going to get 7% or 10% or 2%, whatever it is, of my additional earnings, let's say in his case for the company, how am I going to do it if I fail? I can't rely on that 7%. And really what you're saying is you can't rely on yourself. And that's just not true, right? I mean, in his case, he had been bringing in millions of dollars for that company. In what reality should he think that he couldn't bring in the additional same thing he'd been doing or more and then reap the benefits? So I think we need to turn, just turn our minds around a little bit about how we think on compensation, really focused on value-based compensation. And then when it comes to negotiations in particular, it's really important to set the tone. So what you accept initially sort of grounds the framework for everything else in your work relationship, right? Because if you get an offer for a job and the first offer that you got, your boss knows or HR and your boss and whoever's involved, if they know, hey, uh, this person just accepted our first deal. We had a range. They didn't, you know, they just kind of went for whatever. First of all, it makes you seem like you don't have other options. And that's huge. I think if, if I can kind of drive home one main point for today, and I'm going to try to keep this concise and sort of just quick because I think, you know, we don't always want to listen to an hour long episode. So if you think about the most bang for your buck, when it comes to negotiating, I think it's this. Have another option. (laughs) Have other options at the table. That's what gives you negotiating power when you're in the room with someone. And it's something that we forget so often when we really want the job, the date, the house that we wanna buy, whatever. When we get so focused on this one option, the other party can tell, whoever they are, because we don't, first of all, have any comparables. And secondly, our energy just totally exudes, hey, I'm up for grabs and I really want you to say yes. And if you don't, I don't have anywhere else to go. I don't have anything else. I can't drum up any other business. That's why when you're starting out a business, it could be hard to get clients because you just ooze this energy of like, I'm hungry. So if you're in that position, if you're just starting out or if you feel like, oh, I'm new to this space or I'm new to real estate or whatever it is that you feel you're new at, you don't necessarily have the background, that can work to your advantage. If somebody is new to a space and they're hungry, they're talking to 20, 30 leads a day or they're talking to five or six or 10 companies, like they're putting the feelers out. When you're new at something, That means you should be hungry and it is a chance for you to go and really spread your, I guess, your efforts wide, cast a wide net so that you 
reap the benefits because then in talking to people you'll know it's the same sort of rule of thumb when you're getting a new phone plan or bank account or if you're hiring someone to do renovations on your house if you only get one quote on let's say a roofing job for your house if you only get one quote all you know is that one quote and that contractor has no incentive to give you a deal even give you a reasonable price because if he gives you a price and then you just say yes, well, you're stuck with that price, right? But what if you got three quotes? And we do this when it comes to bigger purchases usually, right? Like if we're talking about buying a house, you'll usually go and look at more than one house. I mean, unless you just like land on your dream house, but you'll know comparables, right? You'll know comparable options in the neighborhood. You'll know different districts and education and what the crime rate is. And like, you'll do your due diligence. So when it comes to getting a raise, do the same thing, right? Like look at the top players in the game, look at what they're doing and why it is that they're compensated so well. Is it, are they seeing more clients or more patients or more customers? Like, are they dealing with more people? Is the quality higher? Usually it's a quantity or quality question. What is it? What's the value that you're drawing and these top performers are drawing, how can you position yourself to be in the top 10%? And if you know you're not, <laughs> which granted the top 10% is only for the top 10%, right? 10 out of 100. So if you're not that top 10, well then what are your other unique qualifiers that maybe you can renegotiate on? If, for example, you come up with a more creative compensation structure that actually takes the risk out of the equation for your employer, like something that is a percentage based. I remember I had uh, a sales rep that came and he wanted to do business development and sales for Chiefly, my software company that I've started. And he came and he said, look, I'll take a bit of equity contingent on my performance and I want percentage out of each deal, but I don't need a salary. And I know you're not in a position to give me one because you're a startup, right? And first year of startup, it's like, yeah, you can, some startups get a lot of funding, but Many are bootstrapping and being really scrappy and don't have millions of dollars to just hand out salaries in their first year. So somebody that comes to you knowing your needs like that, that's like a no brainer yes for me, right? Like if somebody says, I'll take all the risk away, I'm gonna do the effort, but if I get you deals, if I get you clients, I want a percentage of the profits. It's like, hell yeah, I want, <laughs> I want that deal, right? And so I think that brings me to my second point. So just as a recap, first point, Definitely, always, 100% of the time, have other options when you're going into a negotiation. Comparable options, options that are reasonably similar in some of the main characteristics of what you're looking for. Get a couple quotes, talk to a couple hairdressers before you get a haircut, right? Like it's, this sounds so, I guess it sounds like common sense, but I think sometimes in different situations, different contexts and environments, we forget that this is an option because it feels like we only have one choice. And that's just not true. Even if one employer is offering you a job and it's a huge company and you love to work for you know, Tesla or whatever it is, they're still not the only shop on the block. You're still not, like, you're not backed into a corner. And yeah, okay, if you say no to Tesla, maybe you feel like you're being, I don't know. I don't know what you would feel. You could feel like the wrong choice because they're such a big brand. But the reality is, 
you need to take the deal that's best for you. And if it's a smaller company, but they give you personally a better deal, you've got to weigh the options. You've got to weigh what's important to you. And without going into the details of that, of how to kind of categorize and look at different deals and it depends on what you're evaluating, right? You need different criteria for any negotiation, but without going into those details for now in this episode, please have more than one option, please. That's why we date and then we we do inevitably pick one person, right? Usually, not always, everybody's got their own deal, but usually, right? We're talking about, okay, we're dating to find our one soulmate, partner, whatever, at least for that phase of our life, you know, if it lasts a lifetime or not, that's another episode. But when you're dating, you're effectively evaluating. And in any relationship, you're negotiating the terms from second one. Okay. So these things happen fast and you need to know that you have other options so that not only do you have those options to kind of weigh against rationally, But emotionally speaking, your confidence is increased. You just have this air of a more relaxed, self-assured person. And that's what makes someone want to be around you. That's what makes someone want to say, yeah, you know, I want to go on another date with this person. Or I, yeah, you know, I think this person would be a good hire or deserves a raise or, you know, could potentially be poached by a competitor. And so I, you know, it's worthwhile having this person stick around and I will put a disclaimer that this doesn't mean that I win quote-unquote every negotiation and I think that's what I want to get into for my second point of this episode which is negotiations are not to be won necessarily from what I've learned I think it's more like perhaps a dance and and by the end of the dance you you want both parties to be satisfied with the outcome with the experience and the outcome because if somebody at the end of a dance feels like the person whatever guided them poorly took control more often they didn't feel like um i guess they were met with the same energy at the end you walk away feeling lousy and negotiations are the same thing and what happens is if you negotiate on a deal and you say yes to something, and deep down, you don't feel good about what you said yes to, that is going to haunt you and that relationship for as long as it exists, because you're going to become, like I said in the beginning, resentful, annoyed. You're going to fight that person left, right, and center if they try to change the deal, or for little, you'll you'll nitpick at stuff, because you're actually truly frustrated with the situation. And so I think it's critical to make sure that the negotiation experience is about creating a win-win for both parties or a win-win-win if you're talking about, you know, the company as a whole, society, however you want to frame that third party that's inevitably going to be involved. For example, if you and your husband are making a deal and you have kids or you have roommates or your in-laws, you might want to consider those third parties in your negotiation, right? So same deal if a manager and their boss is negotiating something. So same deal if a manager and their boss are negotiating something, of course they're going to consider maybe that manager's team or the company as a whole. So that is something to consider when you're creating this win-win-win situation. And I think that's possible. Growing up, 
I saw a lot of business environments where it was more it was more about really a winner and a loser and conventionally speaking I thought that's what negotiations needed to be or these things that someone had to win and someone had to lose and either get ripped off worst case or at least you had to kind of pull the wool over someone's eyes or they had to there had to be um you know there was a clear smarter person who won and a clear loser who lost out on the metaphorical orange and so taking this negotiation course actually is one of my best marks when I took my business degree at the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto um, I remember this course it was actually life-changing because the professor came in and talked about negotiating for an orange and you know it was like okay one party wants the orange the other party's going to pay for it you know how much and everybody was you know trying to come up with these clever answers but the real answer that he came up with I came up with at the end was well what if the other party wants the peel you know maybe they're going to make I don't know essential oil or something but the the one party that has orange actually wants to make orange juice and so they need the inside and so he goes in negotiations, you need to be very clear what the other person is actually wanting because if you want the inside and they want the peel, well, you could actually both walk out very happy instead of fighting over the entire orange. So I think when we go back to my previous point about categorizing the different elements that are important to us, this holds true to say, hey, if you're going in for a raise, is it really a raise that you want or do you want maybe more vacation, more work from home options, more flexibility in your schedule. Do you have too much work to do? Like, do you need to delegate some stuff or hand some stuff off? Are you doing things that you don't like to be doing? There's so many different elements of, hey, I want more money, that maybe it's not actually money that you want more of, or maybe you will take less money for more freedom, right? It's sort of like, if you think about like levers or something, right? You can kind of slide if it's a little bit less money, a little bit more vacation, and we kind of have to think that way. So it's not always cut and dry. And a lot of time employers will even think, hey, I'll give you, you know, this monetary raise and you'll be happy. And of course, to their dismay, they don't keep people because people can go get a raise elsewhere. There's so much more. If I, in all the time I've coached people and I've listened and listened and listened for hours in sessions, If I can tell you really what people want, I'd say, I don't have a hard fact for you or like a hard statistic, but like, I want to say eight out of 10, seven or eight out of 10 times. It's not the money. That's the issue. It's, I want to be valued. I want a better environment. I want, you know, more cohesive peers or like a better, a better peer relationship with other managers and my team or I don't like my boss. Like it's usually relational and usually intangibles that cause someone to get up and leave, even if they don't say that. And normally they won't because if you're doing an exit interview with HR, you have no desire to be honest really because you just got fired or you're leaving and you want to leave on good terms. And so most people don't want to give that kind of feedback to an internal representative, which is why people... Sometimes companies will hire me to do the exit stuff because of that, and it makes it a bit more impartial. But just to say, it's 
really important to remember that not everybody wants the same thing and if you're heading into a negotiation really take the time to listen to the other person because they might actually end up telling you that they want something that you don't really care much for and you'd be very willing to give over and then maybe you'll get more bargaining power to get the thing you actually wanted just like the orange and the orange peel example so with that i do want to keep this under the 30 minute mark and i just want to share about a course that i'm launching that is actually delving even further into this topic and right now because it's the pre-launch we are offering it for a steal normally i'll be selling this course for 197 dollars the content has helped people that have taken the course and coached with me on these topics to get raises anywhere from 30 to fifty thousand dollars get more vacation land independent clients if they're freelancers we got all sorts of really great results from people starting to use negotiation strategies rather than simply winging it. Um, so if you want to check it out, I'll put the link in the show notes. And right now it's $47 with a satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't love the course, free refund in 30 days, no questions asked, just let me know and you'll get a refund if you don't find the content to be super valuable. So I hope you enjoyed this little foray into negotiations. I've realized over the years that negotiating is one of my superpowers, both personally and professionally, and it really is a superpower if you can harness strategies to improve your communication skills, improve your negotiating skills, and really get what you want and provide the other person at the other end of the table with what they want to. It can be a super amazing experience to negotiate with someone who is reasonable and maybe uses negotiating strategies themselves. It can be a really fun time. So if you want to check it out, click on the link below. I'm so grateful for you tuning into the show, supporting the show. If you like it, even just leaving a review, which is completely free, makes a huge difference. So wherever you're listening, if you just hit that five star or hit that subscribe, it really does make a difference for people doing this kind of thing, especially me starting out with a new podcast. Subscriptions and reviews are the holy grail of building my presence on this medium. So really appreciate your support in any way that you see fit. And I hope you have a great rest of your week.